0: Thank you that you have a surpassing power toward us, that we are jars of clay, that our, our, our inability should be something we boast in, and that to listen to you and to hear you is actually what it means to be a human being, to be under your authority, your good authority. So Lord, speak to us with clarity and impress upon us your goodness, impress upon us your love, and that we might be changed because we've been in your presence. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Amen. So Second Corinthians chapter one. Um, I uh, first of all, there's a lot of detail about Paul's travel. Did you kind of hear that in the scripture there? I was trying to, I was going to go to Macedonia and then from Macedonia go into Corinth and come back and all this sort of stuff. And I was studying this this week, and I got so bogged down. I'm <laughs> just like, no one's life's going to be transformed by getting Paul's itinerary correct. Now This that was just, you know, that was just my thought to myself. I mean. You know that you're going to drive home, and you're going to say, "Oh, he went through Macedonia." I mean, that's not going to that's not going to change your life. Okay, so just throw that out there. And as as a, as preachers, we we want to be involved in in heart transformation. We want to be involved in, in in well. We have this text. What is Paul saying to them, and what is he saying to us? Okay, so. Uh, So what is he saying to us? And so I want to explore. I want to explore a couple of important ideas. God's reliability. Let's explore this subject. God's reliability is found. I have a couple of ideas here. It's found in providing the apostles we need. Hopefully I can explain this. Uh, Providing the apostles we need. God's reliability is found in the sending of the one we need. And God's reliability is found in sending the spirit we need. Okay? Let's see if we can unpack this. Providing the apostles we need. Paul is explaining his reason for delay. Why have I not come? He's essentially saying. Verse 23, he tells us. He tells the Corinthians why he didn't come. Uh, Now, I will use the word ticked, (laughs) but he was not pleased with them. Uh, And we could say, perhaps, in the most spiritual way, he was ticked at them. Look at verse 23. But I call God to witness against me. In other words, no one else, when someone says that in Scripture, no one else can prove this thought, right? Right? So it's kind of a scary thing to call upon God to be your witness because you better have it right because God tends to keep track of the truth. So Paul says, I call God to be witness against me if he's not telling the truth. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. (laughs) That means that Paul was agitated. Um, He was a normal human being, a normal sinner. And he is openly saying, "You know, you Corinthians, you're really on me because I delayed coming, and you have some, you know, you think I'm a flake. He says, Actually, uh, uh, can I just be honest with you? Uh, you wouldn't have wanted to be around me as I learned about you. I I thought it best not to be there. You ever had that? You ever been sort of angry, and you think I'm going to go take a walk right now? I'm going to just chill out. Well." Um, the Corinthians were quite, quite a group of people, and I just love how Paul hangs with them. He just he's, he's he he just stays with them, and he finds we find um, we find him defending his apostleship. Now, now look at look at verse seventeen. Uh, he's being called essentially a flake. Um, you know, this guy says he's going to come and then he doesn't show. Imagine the the these false apostles. That's what, that's what they're doing. They're saying, oh yeah, Paul? Oh, oh yeah, oh, this is what he does. He, he, he just says things, and then he doesn't mean it. He lacks sincerity, right? Um, verse 17, and here's the accusation. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this, when I wanted to come see you? Do I make plans according to the flesh? Um, uh, ready to say yes, yes, when you mean no. And uh, maybe just say no when you mean yes, or some, you know, in other words, you're just basically manipulating people with your words. You have no interest in being faithful to them. You're just saying at the moment what you want to say. Now that's that's a, that's a kind of a a big big deal. And so what what they're concluding is this: since there was a change in plans, there's a change in there's a there's a change in character. All right, they're, they're concluding. Oh well, since you're not consistent, then. You know, you're just a flake. In other words, this is a character issue. Then Paul transitions a bit. Verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you, notice that, apostolic word, I'll explain what that is, has not been yes and no. When we were with you, Paul was with the Corinthians for 18 months. When we were with you, did you ever sense this about us? Did you ever sense... That we just said things without meaning them. So I'm on display. 18 months when we were with you. Had we ever, have we ever acted that way? And then he completes his thought, though. You gotta stay with this stuff. You gotta, it's, you gotta stay with it. So okay, I got that. Now verse 19. For the Son of God, now he Okay, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you. Silvanus and Timothy, and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. So in the context of of, of questioning Paul's motives, Paul says, no, we behaved consistently because Jesus is this way. In other words, we are aligned with who Jesus Christ is. Do we ever find in Jesus some sort of a hedging of, well, he says this, but actually he does this? Do we ever find in Christ some sort of inconsistent way of behaving? No. In fact, what we find in Christ is we find this amazing yes from God. It is the momentous affirmation that the culmination of what, what, what theologians call redemptive history is this remarkable statement from God that is affirmative. Yes, I desire to show my mercy. And there's no hesitation in God. Now, this is interesting. So Paul, he kind of roots he roots this not quite in his behavior, That's there, but he roots it in the way the gospel is. The gospel is a massive affirmation of the positive promises of God that if anyone believes upon Christ, they shall be saved. That's, that's That's what sinners need to hear. And Paul, though, is putting on display, though, His authority to preach. He's saying, wait a minute. What you should look at is our proclamation among you when we were there. You should see us proclaiming with apostolic authority the truth that's in Jesus. Galatians 1.11 says this. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, what's remarkable about this is that the reliability of God is discovered in the New Testament. In other words, how God establishes the church, it is through his remarkable transformation and work through the apostles. They put up with all kinds of stuff from the churches and they consistently preached Christ. They gave the church a foundation of consistency, of reliability. Their message was not clouded in secrets, clouded in secret handshakes. It was open to the world and consistent The preaching of the gospel through the apostles was remarkably important. And God established the church upon these individuals as, of course, Jesus is the foundation. But the church, in its earliest stages, needed these who were witnesses of the resurrection, one of the qualifications of an apostle, to communicate, to embody a faithfulness If they were flakes, we would not be here, folks. Think about that. It's God's love for the church that he has provided apostles, officers in the church, pastors, evangelists, elders. So, when God speaks, it is a radical yes. How is it manifested? The first wave of, of this manifestation was in the life of the apostles and particularly their message. Our preaching should be apostolic preaching. Follow the book of Acts. See how they proclaim Christ. And what is God saying by way of, of authority? He is He is describing, or he's laid a foundation in the apostles for the word yes. Yes, you can trust these preachers for they are lifting up Christ. Yes, Christ is what you need. Yes, faith alone in him brings salvation. See, when people gather, when you gather in church, you want to hear a confident message. A message that is gripping your heart. A message that is worth listening to. A message that is, where can I find hope? There really can be no hesitancy. Some sort of, well, sort of, I don't know, this worked for me. You need to hear, you need to hear preaching. You need to hear good news. Paul is saying, I was not dodgy in my proclamation and my life. Now our age... Our age puts a lot of emphasis on personality. Our age puts a lot of emphasis upon, well, who are you? You know, like, right? So, in a sense, no one's anybody. I mean, everyone's opinions are equal. Everyone's thoughts are equal. Everyone's, you know, social media postings or you know, whatever. Everyone's just it's there's a a book called The Cult of the Amateur, (laughs) meaning that we used to have professional journalists. Now we're all journalists. Uh, That's not good, uh, by the way. The standards seem to be kind of lowered. Where will you hear a clear, authoritative message? It has to be identical to the apostolic message that we find in Paul and others. We are always under some authority. Most people today are under their own authorities. Paul is unashamedly saying, listen to me because I'm an apostle. He's saying that. Listen to my words, listen to my life. But he is putting himself out there as the one to listen to and to follow. Now that's kind of like, like, who are you? J.I. Packer commenting on our culture He says only the Christian authority principle leads to man's chief end, glorifying God and enjoying him forever. He talks about how drugs with long-term lethal uh, long-term effects like heroin and cocaine will for the moment make you feel brighter. So any authority principle, however dubious, will in the short term make its devotees free, feel brighter more integrated, more purposeful, more in shape than they would feel with no such principle to hold their lives together. In other words, something's working. He who knows no obligation to do anything lives the saddest, most aimless, most distracted life of all. He who knows no obligation to do anything, listen to that, lives the saddest, most aimless, and most distracted life of all. So the anti-authority syndrome now current in the West, leading as it does to lives of haphazard hedonism in which my feelings of like and dislike are the only authority I recognize, is a major human tragedy. You could hardly get further from the way we are meant to live. J.I. Packer on This Modern World. Everyone's going to serve something or someone. And and the scriptures present boldly that God's reliability is manifested in providing the apostles that we need. And continuing today, every church that is healthy, um, and by what standard do we judge that? One key standard would be apostolic truth, apostolic preaching. Now, second idea, verse, verse 20. Not only is God's reliability found in providing the apostles we need, but God's reliability is found in sending the one we need. Verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Paul's brought up the subject of preaching. And now he says this is what we preach This is the culminating purpose of Scripture. This is what our hearts should focus on. This is what apostolic ministry was all about, bringing Christ to people. In a conflict with the Corinthians, Paul is directing their hearts to the face of God to the work of God. In conflict, so often, we forget our Redeemer. We forget the work of God for us, the Redeemer who is present with us. We forget God's affirmation in Christ. All I have is my argument. All I have is the defense of of whatever I did or didn't do. And Paul says, what we really have is we have God's remarkable promise being fulfilled in Jesus and it sounds like yes yes God is for us yes God is redeeming us yes Jesus is the purpose of the whole of scripture it's remarkable if we do keep focus on Christ in our marriages in our personal lives if we do turn to our Redeemer regularly crying out in need. It's interesting we, that will moderate, that will moderate our need for people's approval. That will moderate our need to fix people, that will moderate our, ability, our, our our desire to condemn people. The more we see, wait a minute, what do I have in Christ? I have the fulfillment of all the promises of Scripture in Christ. That might just warm your heart. That might just do something in you graciously where people now are not quite so important. What's Paul doing? He's, he's counseling the Corinthians. Where? What are you hoping for in life? What do you want to be fulfilled in your life? What? Do, how do you want God to come through for you? And it's right here when the Christian makes a mistake. You can insert the American dream. You can insert something else, some other story. It's right here at Paul says, no, this is the story you're in. It's the story of God's remarkable amen in Jesus. He's everything. Some people look to the Bible as a secret decoder book for end-time survival. Some people look to the Bible for instructions to gain health and wealth. Paul looks to the Bible to find Christ. The amen of God. All the promises, of course, stem, connect back to Genesis 3.15. God promises to bring a warrior. He's actually having a conversation with Satan. He says, I'm going to bring my warrior and he's going to crush your head. And that's the the beginning of it. And now uh, one will be born. One, a human being, will be born who's going to be the champion of God from Genesis 3.15 we're watching who is he and and we're always watching for these babies to be born in the Bible and uh, some of the women who understood this promise from Genesis 3.15 maybe it's my son maybe it's my son maybe it's my son and the whole of the Bible he finally arrives and Mary sings a song and he's born he's the uh, he's the final moses he's the he's the final david he's the he's the take your great favorite old testament hero and jesus is the final one of those so jesus is is the reliability of god toward us is is the face of god becoming bigger for you are you seeing his sweetness and his beauty and his grace toward you Is this helping you diminish your suspicion of other people, of the importance of other people? Is God's face shining and smiling, beaming, essentially, 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that Christ is the face of God. Do you say amen to God's amen? Amen is actually a very solemn thing to say. It's basically, this wraps it all up. (laughs) It's a statement of, this is it. Amen, nothing else can be said, right? Amen, that's it, you got it. It's beautiful how this connects, this little, this word translated from from the Hebrew connects us to the Jewish church, as it were, in the Old Testament. We're still speaking Hebrew uh, in church. And of course, God's reliability can be found in sending finally the Spirit. So he sent us apostles He sent us the one, and then he sent us the Spirit. Very quickly, let me read verse 21 for us. And it is God who establishes us with you, I love that connection, in Christ and has anointed us, it's a picture of the Spirit's work, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God's reliability has has brought us the spirit that we need. You you realize that one of the big big events, <laughs> of course, is Genesis one and one and two, the creation of the world, the creation of the universe. Of course, that's a big event, wouldn't you say? <laughs> that's a big event, brothers and sisters. I'll tell you the next big event in world history. It was the sending of the Spirit in Acts chapter two the the loss and the misery that man had fallen into and the loss of the spirit's presence now the spirit had the spirit had manifested himself in the tabernacle that mobile worship center and then the spirit had manifested himself in the temple and of course the spirit manifested himself upon Isaiah's suffering servant Jesus and then and, and then Jesus rises ascends into glory and then sometime later sends the Spirit, and the Spirit begins to dwell in man again. Next to the creation of the world, the day of Pentecost is the biggest event in world history. The Spirit is the guarantee of God's reliable promises in Christ that a new heaven and a new earth are coming, And the Spirit is communicating to us, read Romans 8 if you'd like to study that, the Spirit is communicating to us that nothing will separate us from the love of God. And so Paul boasts in the reliability of God for the Corinthians. What's he doing? He's trying to direct their hearts. Why am I such a big deal to you? Why are my travel plans so important to you? What are you focusing on? Don't you know the Spirit is in you and you have been blessed of God, given eternal life. Notice how he finishes this, verse 23 and 24. But I call God to witness against me. He gets back to defending himself a bit. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith. What do we do? We work with you for your joy. That's why 2 Corinthians is written. And for you to stay oh, excuse me for you stand firm in your faith such beautiful words motivated by the spirit of god inspired by god in our bibles that's great god is reliable he thought of you he gave you a foundation in the church through this apostolic ministry he gave you christ who's the amen of god nothing else can be said more affirmative more positive And then to convince you of this, he gave you the Spirit. Why? This is all working for your joy. Look at verse 24. It's working for your joy. Do you believe that God is working for your joy? He's working for your joy. Let's pray. Lord, you are working for our joy. Lord, thank you you're faithful father thank you for the sincere individuals who risk their life these apostles we don't talk much about them Lord you provided them for our comfort and good and you used them because of your work in them we are here Thank you for presenting Jesus. Thank you for him. The amen, the chief cornerstone of this remarkable building, the church, and for the spirit who's convincing us of all these truths for our joy. We love you, Lord. We come to you. We thank you. Help us to believe that you're working in us for our joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.